0: This is the Practical Teaching Tips podcast. I am your host, Richard James Rogers, high school science and chemistry teacher and author of the award-winning book, The Quick Guide to Classroom Management. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode on the Practical Teaching Tips podcast. I am your host, as always, Richard James Rogers. Today, I want to delve into a topic that is very much on teachers' minds as we uh, leave the pandemic behind and students are now back in school full time and we are um, starting to re-engage those learners with content, Um, and that is the subject of inquiry-based learning. And I'd like to explain today the problems I have with the approach and why I feel that it shouldn't be a, a mainstream staple or even the um, the main body of, of what we teach or, the, or the, the lessons that we deliver. So what is inquiry-based learning at first? Well, a lot of teachers... Um, have misconceptions about this, and, and I certainly um, didn't know what it was for a very long time um, until I started doing CPD and, and using it in lessons. A lot of teachers think it's, it's just give the students some source material and let them figure things out for themselves, let them do some kind of creative output like a presentation or uh, some kind of um, a model building or something like that and hopefully at the end of it the students will learn something. Unfortunately that is not really what inquiry-based learning should be but it is what a lot of teachers are doing in lessons, and and I used to be one of those teachers as well. Um, And and therein lies my first problem with inquiry-based learning, is that you can never really be sure that all of the students have covered and fully understood the lesson objectives, or even the things they're supposed to know for their final exams. Um, But let's start with a definition. So, this comes from Santa Ana College, and it's the best definition that I could find on inquiry based learning. So, here it is Inquiry based learning is a learning process that engages students by making real world connections through exploration and high level questioning. It is an approach to learning that encourages students to engage in problem solving and experiential learning. Um, So a few buzzwords there that most teachers have heard about um, and and surely are are rammed down our throats during uh, multiple CPD sessions, problem solving, um, experiential learning, high level questioning, that used to be a big thing um, around about a decade ago, Um, those of us who remember assessment for learning, um, which was was a big thing in the UK at that time. All of those things are really good for developing um, creativity in our students and yes, for getting some students to explore content at a deeper level. But there's a few problems with the approach. First of all, the exams that our students take, whether you're in America, the UK, Australia, wherever you are in the world, the exams our students take assess basic fundamental skills and knowledge. So the students have to have covered those skills and covered that knowledge in order to pass their exams. And it, it really does annoy me when I see so much emphasis on the process of learning rather than the outcomes of learning in the, the online pedagogy and through Twitter influences and even in professional teacher training programs. And I think we have to reassess why our children are at school to begin with. Yes, they are there to pick up skills. Yes, they are there to learn knowledge. Yes, they are there to socialize and make friends and make connections and develop interpersonal skills. Yes, they are there to be um, developed um, holistically. But they are also there to pass exams. Because exams are what get them what gets them jobs and what gets them into university and what gets them to the next stage in life. Um, Grades matter. Uh, I'm so sorry if I've offended anybody um, in the education space by saying that blunt truth, but it is a blunt truth. Grades matter. And when you are doing so much inquiry-based learning as a teacher, what essentially is happening is... You're offloading a lot of the um, the content and the responsibility for learning the content onto the students in the class. Now, as students get older, you know, when they're getting past 15, 16, 17, 18, and you're then preparing them for university, yes, of course, I think the frequency of uh, research, independent study, um, projects, uh, presentation should increase. Because when they get to university, they will have to do that kind of thing more often. Uh, And they do need, our students do need to take responsibility uh, for their own learning. But it takes quite a while for students to reach that level of maturity. And when you're teaching children in a class where you've got mixed abilities, you've got some children who really don't grasp the content at all, some that are okay with it, and some that are just flying through it like, like crazy and really understand everything. It's very um, difficult to design inquiry-based learning tasks that are going to allow all of those students in the class that I just mentioned to cover the content they need to pass their exams. So I think if you are going to do inquiry-based learning um, you need to be providing good source material as a teacher um, and that should be in multiple formats so it could be um, websites, it could be printed materials, it could be um, audio files, it could be a podcast it could be some YouTube videos. You're providing multiple sources of uh, material and also I think it's best if you split the class into groups and if you get each group to do something slightly different so that Whatever the students are doing their inquiry learning or inquiry based approach on, it's not too massive a topic that they could miss so much um and i and I think that is that is really another key problem with inquiry based learning is that too many teachers are using it for topics which are too big um you know it's it's almost impossible for um, even the brightest students to be given some very minor prompts. For example, um, describe how calculus can be used to um, optimize areas of farmland. For example, now that's a massive question, and if the students have never learned calculus before, or have never learned fundamentals of um, of uh, manipulating equations they're really not going to dive very deep into that topic because they have to have the fundamentals first. Um, so I think it's, it's so important to bear that in mind. And also, as, as students have come out of the pandemic now, they don't want their teachers to be doing inquiry-based stuff as much anymore. This has certainly been a big revelation for me. Uh, coming out of the pandemic... Um, I was teaching a lot of hybrid classes, of course. Um, Many of you may know that I teach at an international school here in Thailand. I do a lot of online tutoring as well. And um, during that time, I was using a lot of apps, a lot of independent learning systems, um, a lot of software that the students could use to go through the topics at their own pace. But they had that for a year and a half to two years in some cases and many students at the end of that process got sick and tired of going through apps and software and programs on their devices and they've come back to school now and they want their teachers to deliver. They want their teachers to deliver content. So it is going to be a tricky balancing act for a while. But my main problems with inquiry based learning is that number one, teachers often don't provide enough source material. So important we do that. Um, I recently saw an analogy on Twitter, which was pretty good. I've forgotten who wrote it now. Um, But she said Imagine that um, a child wanted to bake a cake, and you said to that child, Do some research about how to bake a cake, come up with some steps bake the cake, and then let's taste it at the end. And then at the end of the tweet, the person said, that is how ridiculous inquiry-based learning has become. And to be honest, she had a point. You can't expect students to cover um, highly cognitive or cognitively challenging content without them having the fundamentals and without them having good source material, first of all, and secondly, good teacher vigilance. So if you're going to do inquiry-based learning, you've really got to be monitoring that along the way Checking the groups, checking everyone's on task, and number three, the third thing that we need to do as teachers is we need to be assigning roles within groups. This is something that has took me years to realize and to develop and to master with my students. Um, and I must admit it didn't come naturally to me at first until um, An inspector came into school, CFBT inspector, watched one of my classes many years ago, and that was one of his tips to assign roles within groups. And I must admit, I'd never thought about it before, but it it makes so much sense. Um, If you're going to put students in groups working on projects, make sure every student in that group has a job to do and that they're doing that job. Um, And the fourth big thing about inquiry-based learning is that it should, not, um, it should not become the main pedagogical method that we're using within our lessons, despite what some of the influencers might say about how great it is and how it facilitates deep learning. There are too many problems with the approach, in my opinion, for it to be used on a, on a constant, regular basis. Um, it requires a lot of monitoring, it requires very careful design and also it requires some kind of creative output that has been chosen by the students but the, the list of what is chosen needs to be developed by the teacher. So for example when I am um, getting my students to create some kind of project or, or do some kind of research. Their output from that will be a menu that I have created. It could be a slide presentation. It could be a news report. It could be a model that they've built and they show to the class. It could be an audio file. Uh, it could be an animation. It could be a, um, a cartoon strip. It could be a drama or a play or, or some kind of um, acting scenario. Um, but, you, you know, you really have got to give the students a choice, but the choice has to be a list that's come from you as the teacher. Because if, if you just leave it open and say to students, um, present this to the class in any way you like, you're going to find varying degrees of quality when you do that. And you're going to find it very hard to motivate some of the groups towards that final goal if they're not quite sure what they're aiming for. So to summarize, my problems with inquiry-based learning are number one, oftentimes teachers do not provide enough source material. Number two, we often don't cover enough fundamentals for the students to take their inquiries to a deep level, which is is what the point of inquiry-based learning should be. Number three, there often isn't enough teacher vigilance along the way to check that groups are on task and that individual students are fulfilling their roles. And number four, there often isn't um, a menu of options that the the students can choose from to deliver the output correctly. And also, one last thing I'll say about inquiry-based learning is that the students really need to know the objectives or the success criteria or at least the, the kind of mission outcomes of what they're supposed to be covering. Um, and far too often, we're telling students to research about um, Winston Churchill, for example, without giving them some actual direction. What do you mean by find out about, or research about, or deliver a presentation about um, uh, George Soros or something? What do we mean by that? We have to give our students proper instructions. Um, tell me his major works. Uh, what are his current policies? Um, what are three big achievements in his life? Um, where was he born? Um, what, what is his um, current philosophy on such and such a topic? You've, you've got to give the students little um, targets to reach along the way when they're doing inquir- inquiry-based learning. So I'm not totally against the approach. I think it can be a good approach, but it has to be very well designed and it has to be very well monitored by the teacher. And the creative outputs need to be, first of all, delivered. Um, Again, we're struggling for curriculum time a lot in schools these days. Uh, The new new GCSEs that have um, come out in the UK require a lot of content to be covered in very little time. So a lot of teachers are finding they don't even have time to do a lot of this project-based learning anyway. But if you do have time, it can be a good way to break up the monotony of regular instruction. It can be a good way to get students developing their interpersonal skills, working in groups, creating some kind of um, presentation or outcome. And it can be a good way for students to develop an interest in something that they wouldn't normally um, perhaps have such an interest in because we all know as teachers that when when students delve into something and they've got their own kind of um, motivation to do it and they've got their own outcomes to reach and um, they're working in a team where the... um, where the interpersonal dynamics are working really well, that can actually create a lot of um, um a lot of interest and can stimulate those students really well so it's it can be a good approach, but the design needs to be there, the monitoring needs to be there, and it needs to it needs to be I think preserved and savored for moments where extension can be allowed. I prefer to use inquiry-based learning for extension of what the students are learning in class or if it's a topic that can be easily researched and easily um, covered through some kind of project. If it's high-level content I'm delivering to students, which requires a lot of cognitive challenge, I'm not going to be delivering that for inquiry-based learning. It needs to be me modeling, um, explaining, Going through exam-style questions, going through the content, that needs to be the the approach with those difficult topics. But with topics that students can explore, uh, for example, in chemistry, one of the topics that, that we cover at IB is acid rain and acid deposition. Now that's a great topic for inquiry-based learning because the students can research current news articles, they can research the equations, they can research the effects of acid rain, so there's targets they can reach along the way. But even with a topic like that, I would never say to my students, create a presentation about acid rain. Um, You will present this in class next week on Tuesday and then just wait for Tuesday to happen and, and see what kind of presentations they deliver. That just isn't enough information for those students to um, create anything that, first of all, is going to be of the quality needed, although you will still find that some groups will create some detailed presentations. But also, if you give your students a little prompt like that, you won't know if what they're going to... Um, Research about is going to cover the exact curriculum topics they need to know. So, some some interesting things to bear in mind there. Um, um, I'm a little bit controversial in a way when it comes to practical teaching tips and pedagogy, because I base what I um, what I do in the classroom and what I deliver to my listeners here on this podcast on my experiences in the classroom, on the research I have done, and in what I see in everyday life, as, as I do my job as a teacher. Um, and as I mentioned, we've come out of the pandemic now, and students just don't want to be doing independent study as much. They don't want to be doing personal research as much. They want guidance. They want direction. They want much more spoon-feeding, I'm sorry to say. And I know that that's a taboo word in education. Apparently, we shouldn't spoon-feed our students. But I really hate that word because, or or that phrase, spoon feeding, because what does that mean? It means that we're helping our students. We're explaining things to our students. We're delivering content in a clear way. We're going for exam style questions. We're providing students with practice. We're providing students with guidance. We're providing students with feedback. That's what spoon feeding really means, isn't it? So, Is it really such a bad thing, you know? And and yet it seems to be this this, um, absolute taboo subject um, in the teaching profession. Uh, Apparently, we're not supposed to spoon-feed our students the information. And I think that's totally wrong. Uh, I think we should be explaining and describing and um, preparing, preparing our students for their final exams through the clarity of what we deliver. And I would argue that inquiry-based learning oftentimes does not provide that clarity of instruction that the students need. So what do you think, everybody? If you're listening on Spotify, there's going to be a question uh, with this podcast episode that you can answer with your thoughts on this. and you can also email me at info at com. Once again, that's info at richardjamesrogers.com. And why not check out my website, which is richardjamesrogers.com, obviously. Um, and there you will find hundreds and hundreds of blog posts and articles covering everything to do with practical teaching tips assessment for learning active engagement behavior management it's all on there so check that out everybody it's richardjamesrogers.com and if you have some spare cash and you're looking for a good book to read which will help you with your practical teaching skills and classroom management check out my book on Amazon, which is called The Quick Guide to Classroom Management, 45 Secrets That All High School Teachers Need to Know. And it's available at Barnes & Noble, Blackwell's, every good retailer, even Walmart have my book. Um, Check it out. It's an um, award-winning non-fiction, obviously, non-fiction classroom management book. Um, Very proud of it. And, um, and check it out and let me know what you think as well. Um, and that's it from me today, everybody. So thank you very, very much. Until next time, bye-bye for now.